Hey guys, gonna do a quick Bono's Health about evidence-based practice. So this is a term you may have heard in the past, and I'm gonna try to keep it quick. Uh, can, some of these topics can go deep into all sorts of pathways. I'm gonna try to really focus here. So evidence-based practice, I wanna present a model that was originally in the research presented by uh, Sackett et al. I don't know. Uh, Sackett's designation, doctor or professor or first name, I'll be honest, but I reference the name very often because I think it is the best encapsulation of what evidence-based practice means. And when we talk about our health, how should we be making decisions? There's so many podcasts out there. So if you're even here, I really appreciate it. And I applaud you for continuing to try to learn and that's what I do. I'm listening. I'm recording this in between listening to podcasts. So just was inspired to record this, put it out. And I want to do a few more of these kind of quick bite episodes, whatever we call them. So evidence-based practice, coming back to it, Sackett proposed a model that uh, describes this almost as a three-legged stool. Okay. Uh, the three parts of it are the research, what the research actually says. So you could say, oh, study finds low back pain, uh, you know, common in over 80% of a, American adults over 60 years old or wh whatever the numbers are. And that's a real statistic, unfortunately. Um, but that's the first part, the first leg of evidence-based practice is the what the actual research says. Now, I did a whole podcast episode on my other show, Demand Better Podcast, about some of the problems with research. This is probably a concept I will continue to throw out there about the fact that it's hard to say what can I do with all of the evidence since I am a 38 year old male living in Colorado with uh, a history of a uh, father passing away from a heart attack at 41. Uh, what does that mean for my health? What does that mean based on the things I've done? I played a year of college football. I competed in CrossFit. I've never taken any performance enhancing drugs. And I'm not saying that just to clear my name. If I did, you guys would have seen me lifting much heavier things. Um, but I'm saying that in, in, in the sense of how do I take these studies out there and apply them to myself and decide what behaviors I wanna change. So the whole point of what the research says is important and we can't just throw it all out but we have to take it with a huge grain of salt because a lot of research again i see a lot of problems with it and again i, I go really in depth in our demand better episode but let's come back to that stool right so we have what the research says then number two we have and this is in no particular order uh we have what the patient experience is and that's one that can often get overlooked when it comes to clinicians because if we say hey you need to stop eating cheetos or you're not going to get healthy or whatever the thing is you have to stop eating mcdonald's uh because we know mcdonald's is unhealthy uh but the patient might have only that as an option they might have an emotional connection there's all sorts of things where the patient or the client has we have to factor in their values their experiences their culture all of these aspects if we do not and if we overlook that and we say well the perfect answer is you should be doing heavy weightlifting you should be doing deadlifts to fix your back pain and if you're not deadlifting your body weight then you're never going to get over your back pain that is not the way to go right um, and a lot of that research that we're talking about gets done on unfortunately college kids 
a lot of research uh, did for a long time. Um, so it's something to think about. But the stool again, research, what the research actually says, uh, what the patient expectations and values are. And then the third part is the clinician experience. So I've been practicing physical therapy since 2008 when I got my doctorate. Uh, I have more experience in the fitness space before that um, and alongside of that. So, uh, you know, we could look and say, how many actual humans have I worked with? Is it in the tens of thousands? Maybe that would be my guess. Um, but, you know, I've also spent over half a million dollars on education. Not every clinician continues their education to that level. Uh, you know, we are required to continue a certain amount of education uh, in every state, in every different discipline. But the point is, we need to factor that all in. So if you come in presenting to me, let's stick with the back pain example. Uh, let me just driving now as I record this, uh, trying this out. So passing a truck. Uh, and so run, going into the sun, trying to be safe. And this girl behind me wants to get by me as well, but not going to let that happen. Um, so coming back to it, uh, the, the third leg again is the clinician experience. So again, back pain example is if someone shows up to me and I say, well, I've seen 10,000 cases of back pain. And I know that if you present this way, and you look like somebody who, based on the limited data you've just given me in a five minute or even an hour long exam, I believe the thing that's gonna get you strongest is uh, core strengthening or getting your glutes stronger or avoiding uh, sitting for the next seven days or whatever it is, uh, or going to get an injection. You know, those are all things that are common in the medical space, in the healthcare space. Um, I don't understand this girl driving behind me. I just have to complain about it. Colorado drivers, I'm just gonna go on a quick tangent, are, are pretty bad. Um, I'm a pretty aggressive New York driver. Uh, I think I'm a very safe driver. Knock on wood, I've not been in an accident in a while, uh, a very long time actually, once ever, and, and that was in a, a bit of an emotional state. Uh, I could tell that story another time, but anyway. The girl keeps backing up and then she comes up right up on my bumper and then backing up. I don't I don't like it. I don't know what she's trying to accomplish. We're on a one lane highway ish or road. Anyway, sorry for the tangent, but that's what I'm gonna do. So those are the three legs. Coming back to our, our main topic here. Um, we have what the research says and many different ways to interpret that. That's a good conversation to keep having. Then we have patient experience and expectations and values. And then we have the clinician experience and expectations and values. And so I'm gonna throw it out there. What do you think is the most important of those three legs? Um, and we actually just did a, I did a class, dry needling class, and the instructor brought this up. Shout out to uh, Dr. Nathan Henry, who I had as a guest on here a few episodes ago on this podcast. And uh, he asked that question, and, and I'm kind of stealing from him, but it's, this is a topic, again, I've been loving for a long time. I think it's valuable to understand. That's why I'm doing this recording. So he asked, what is the most important? And it is a bit of a trick question because all three are theorized, according to Sackett et al. Um, et al. is all the other authors who are maybe too many to list. If there's like two authors, they might list the two authors, but if it's more than two, I believe, you can say et al. For anyone not familiar with the research uh, lingo there. So the proposed mechanism there is, is that 
all three of the legs are just as equal in terms of getting actual outcomes. And it, it is also important to remember that healthcare, physical therapy, any of these concepts, even strength and conditioning, are much less of a science. There is a science to it, but it's also a huge art form. And when we say art form, we're saying, again, you can have 10 clinicians who go about things very differently and who get very similar results. Or you can have 10 clinicians who go about things very similarly and get very different results because of all these different variables. And it's, it's a really interesting game. It's very important to understand. And what I wanna summarize and conclude with all of this is, if you're listening to this and if you have back pain, knee pain, uh, which I'm gonna throw out there in my clinician experience, a lot of knee pain comes down to tendon issues. Um, I would say nine out of 10 knee people I see come down to a tendon issue that if we can regroove the squat pattern and hinge pattern and help heal your tendons, that's gonna resolve things for the long term. If you haven't heard about that, I'm gonna probably do a lot more talking about that as well. I've touched on it many, many times in my different social medias and things like that. So concluding with the fact that you are a snowflake, you are a special human being. Um, we wanna make sure that you're not just getting a cookie cutter approach, um, but at the same time, some cookie cutter approaches work and that's the reason they are cookie cutter approaches. So what's the right answer for your pain, for what you have going on, for trying to optimize your health? We don't know, but the important thing for me and what I try to do every day in my practice and any person I get to work with and have the privilege of helping along that health journey or pain journey is I wanna work with you. I, I believe in the therapeutic alliance of communicating, understanding the patient, the client, and if the clinician you're working with now is not doing that, that's not to say they are the wrong clinician. Uh, I don't wanna make grandiose statements even though that's better for clickbait and all that stuff. But I just wanna provide that perspective and this additional information of what evidence-based practice means. Um, so again, you have surgeons who uh, are just gonna say, hey, based on this and looking at your MRI, I wanna cut you open, I wanna do surgery on you. And again, we see in the research actually that a lot of those things don't work. Uh, chiropractors get a lot of people feeling better buying into their system. And again, I don't wanna make this uh, a battle of professions, but the research on what chiropractic is, is very limited and it also does not show great outcomes. And that's a huge, huge, huge oversimplification, but uh, I stand by that and, and I'm happy to go to town with anyone who wants to pull up studies. And again, when you start pulling up studies and that kind of thing, uh, you, you can easily cherry pick things. And so I love these conversations. I'm happy to have them. So I, I'm, I'm excited for hearing what you guys think. Uh, so please uh, let me know what you think, uh, where, where you stand. If you're on a health or pain journey or a rehab journey, I'd love to hear uh, if this evidence-based practice model makes sense to you. Um, or if you've gone into situations where again, the clinician's like, hey, you gotta do X, and if you're not gonna do X, I'm not gonna work with you, um, but you just can't do X, whatever that is. So, uh, and, and it's just a discrepancy between the, the patient experience expectations and the clinician experience expectations. And you know, there's a huge disconnect there. So it's again, a, a really fun conversation. I hope it helps illuminate something for you. 
Uh, I'd love to hear about it if it did. Um, and even if it didn't, let me know. <laughs> if it's stuff you've heard before, great. Let's see what the next conversation is. Let's keep pushing, getting 1% better every day with every conversation, with every podcast. And I'll talk to you guys next time.